On the side wall of our church building, there is a metal signboard for the purpose of advertising and Bible text display. You may have noticed, though perhaps not tonight since it's dark, the text that is displayed in the frame right now is 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Part of the verse, the second half of the verse, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's a most appropriate text of Scripture for any time of the year, but not least at this season. Because this is the event that we seek to highlight and commemorate in late December every year. The coming into the world of our blessed Savior. These words were greatly valued by a famous theologian of Princeton in the days when it was a faithful place. A man by the name of Archibald Alexander. He said this, All my theology is reduced to this narrow compass. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. You'll note that this text begins, this is a faithful saying. And that is something that the Apostle Paul does in a number of scriptures. He refers to the words that follow as a faithful saying. Some of these faithful sayings would include 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 9. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, he says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And then you have the words of Titus chapter 3 and verse number 8. And there it says, This is a faithful saying. And these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. And there's another one where the English word is different, but the Greek word underlying it is the same. And that is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It says there, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. It is a faithful saying. It is a trustworthy statement, is the idea. And there's our text, the one that we're going to look at tonight. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. What Paul is saying here by inspiration is that this is a word that is true or reliable. This is a trustworthy statement. That's the thought. In other words, you can depend upon it. This is a faithful saying. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There are a number of things on the surface of this text that I want to mention to you tonight. There is here, first of all, a reality that is proclaimed. This is true. This is something that actually happened. What is it? Christ Jesus came into the world. We think about who it was that came. Christ 
Jesus. You may know that the word Christ refers to the anointed. Sometimes in our authorized version, in the margin where you read the word Christ in the New Testament, it will have a little number beside it, and the number will correspond to that which is in the margin of your Bible, where it will translate that word Christ as anointed. It's a reference to the Messiah, to that great prophet spoken of in the Old Testament, the one who was to come. This is who he is. This is the one that came. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. There are some in our day who are still looking for him to come in the future. That is to say, they're looking for him to come the first time. We're not looking for him to come the first time. We're looking for him to come the second time. Because he has already come. Mashiach, as the Hebrews put it. The Messiah, the Anointed One, the Great Prophet. Here he is, introduced to us as one who came into the world. But note he is also Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the world. That word Jesus is, of course, the New Testament transliteration of the Old Testament word Joshua. In fact, if you go to your Bible in the book of Hebrews, you'll read there in the chapter 4 of that book, the word Jesus, and it's not referring to the Lord Jesus, it's actually referring to Joshua. Because the history there shows this, Hebrews 4 and verse 8. It says, for if Jesus had given them rest, it's talking about Joshua. But that's what the word Jesus is. It's the Old Testament equivalent in the New Testament of the word that means Jehovah is Savior. Jesus. What a name. The name of Jesus is so sweet. I love its music to repeat. It makes my joys full and complete. The precious name of Jesus. It's a wonderful name. And it's a name that was given to him just prior to birth. Our brother read the scripture for us tonight. Matthew chapter 1. The words of the angel to Joseph in verse 21 records it concerning Mary, he said, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. You may have a marginal rendering in your authorized version where it shows you that the word Jesus means Savior. This is who he is. This is who came into the world. This is what we commemorate at this time. The fact that the Savior of the world has come. Who it was that came. This is the reality that Paul proclaims. But note as well whence it was that he came. Think about this. Christ Jesus came into the world. To come into the world really suggests to us that he was someplace before. He came from somewhere, and that somewhere that he came from, he testified to himself during his earthly ministry. Let me just show you a couple of scriptures. In John's Gospel, which is the wonderful Gospel of the deity of Christ of all of the four Gospels, in John chapter 8 and verse 23, 
The Lord said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. And then he goes on in verse 42 of the same chapter to say to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Very clear, isn't it? Very plain. He was somewhere before. Here's the pre-existent Christ. You could also refer, of course, to other scriptures. In John 16, verse 28, the Lord says it again, I came forth from the Father and am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Christ Jesus came into the world. From whence he came was heaven itself at the right hand of the Father. And there were many who did not accept this, just as there are many today who don't accept it. But yet there were others who did accept this truth. In John 6 verse 14, the Word of God says, and I quote, Then those men which when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. They recognize him as the Messiah who was to come. He's the pre-existent Christ. And as that great carol puts it, He came down to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. We notice well here where it was that he came to. Not just where he came from, but where he came to. Here's a reality that's proclaimed. Christ Jesus came into the world. He was born as a baby. Born as a man in order to live as a man and to die as a man for sinners. He came to the womb of a pure virgin. And as I've often reflected, people will talk about celebrating the birth of Christ. And that's okay. But Bethlehem's manger is not when the Lord came into the world. When he came into the world is when he was conceived in the womb of the virgin. Life begins at conception. So it was nine months before that that he came in the incarnation. Then, during the gestation period, as a woman normally would carry a baby for nine months, he was in the womb of the virgin and then was delivered by her into the world. So that he came into the world for people to see at that point. But he would already come into the world. Born of a pure virgin. Laid in a manger that was used by animals for feeding. In a humble stable, because there was no room for him in those accommodations that were available at the time in Bethlehem. Such was the number of people who had come to be enrolled in the census at that time. All coming to their native city to be enrolled. There was no room. And of course there's a spiritual application of this that we often make, which is to even today... There are many who have no room for Jesus. Even at Christmas time. Oh, they'll give lip service to the birth of Christ. 
they'll talk about the fact that they're celebrating his birth. But the reality is that's probably the furthest thing from their minds. But our Lord came into the world. He came into this sin-cursed scene of time, not because he had to, but because he chose to from all eternity. There was going to be no other way to redeem men but for Christ to come into the world to take into union with His divinity, their humanity, without sin, to live their life and to die their death for them. And what an infinite step of condescension that was. One of the Puritans said, for Christ to become a man was a greater act of condescension than if an angel were to become a worm. Oh, how far down our Lord stooped in order to save us. Paul referred to it in Philippians chapter 2, when speaking of the Lord, he said, who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The idea there is, that deity was not something he had to grasp after because he was and is God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, a slave, and was made in the likeness of men. That's what's in view here, the incarnation coming into the world. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ Jesus came into the world. This is the great reality that is set forth in this profound statement. Christ Jesus came into the world. But as well as speaking here of a reality that is proclaimed, secondly, we want to note a reason that is presented. There's a reason that is presented. We could ask the question, why did Christ Jesus come into the world? Well, the text provides the answer, to save sinners. That's why Jesus came. Let us never forget that. He came not merely to be an example for men. He came not only to do good and to be kind to people and to heal the sick, He came to save sinners. So here is the truth. The truth that needs to be emphasized. Which is that men and women, people like us, are sinners. We're rebels. We are enemies of God. So that by nature and by practice, we are sinful. Nobody has to teach us how to sin. Though there are learned practices in this world that are sinful. But sin comes naturally to people. Because we are sinners. We're born sinners. Jesus talked about the tree and the fruit that comes from the tree. And this is a really important point in theology. When we're talking about sin, it's not just the outward things that we do. We do the things that we do because of what we are. That's our problem. Our problem is what we are. We're sinners. The Bible teaches the doctrine of original sin. 
By one man, even Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, in that all have sinned. So by nature, we're sinful. And by practice, we're sinful. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they be born, speaking lies. Psalm 58.3 tells us. And because we're sinful, we're under divine condemnation. All of us. No exceptions. The whole world has become guilty before God. All have sinned and come short. They're constantly coming short of the glory of God. Sin is the transgression of the law. 1 John 3 verse 4. And therefore our sin separates us from God. This is the truth. And it's a truth that's on the very surface of this text. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. There's the truth. Men are sinners. And the the other thing we need to note is the trouble. The trouble that's the result of that truth. It is that as sinners under God's wrath, we are unable to save ourselves. That's why Christ Jesus came into the world. Not to make sinners salvable or to help them to save themselves, but he came into the world to save sinners because they couldn't save themselves. You know, no matter what you try to do to make amends for your sins and for your wrongdoing, you will always fail. You have failed and you will fail. Job asks the question, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? The answer, not one. Here's the trouble that men are in as sinners. They can't save themselves. And that's why we pray for sinners, those of us who are saved. You know why I pray to God for sinners? Because they can't save themselves. If I thought that sinners could actually extricate themselves from their difficulty, I would pray to them, not to God. Oh, you appeal to sinners to turn from their sin. You appeal to them to come to Christ. But ultimately, it is the Lord alone who can save. And therefore, we intercede. We pray for others, for our loved ones, for our friends, for our neighbors for our co-workers, for people that we know, that the Lord might save them because the trouble is, as sinners, they're under God's condemnation and wrath and they'll never be able to save themselves. But Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so there's not only here the truth, men are sinners, and the trouble, they're not able to save themselves, but there's the testimony. Sinners need to be saved. And sinners can be saved. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. I'm always greatly taken by the testimonies that people give of their conversion experience. I was watching a service in one of our churches recently online. There was a young man giving a testimony of how the Lord saved him. A wonderful testimony. And I was thinking about where was I at that time when that young man came to Christ. Whatever the date was, I can't remember. But it was within the last, say, 15 years. 
And I was trying to think of where I was at that particular time. Well, I would have been here, carrying on with my ministry and with my daily life. And I had no knowledge whatsoever that away over on the other side of the Atlantic, in the city of Belfast, there was a young man whom God was bringing under conviction and was about to save him by his grace. And he did save him. And now he's, whatever it is, 15 years down the road, serving the Lord, preaching the word. And at that time, 15 years ago, I was probably thinking, you know, you hardly ever hear about people getting saved. You hardly ever hear about anyone actually coming to know the Lord. Is is God even saving people these days? And there you are. And that story can be multiplied over and over and over again. God is working. God is saving. He doesn't always let us see it. But he's doing that work. And this is the testimony of the text. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. To save those who could never save themselves. Luke chapter 19 verse 10. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. But how could he save them? By taking their place. By submitting himself to a life of perfect obedience to God's law on their behalf. Assuming all of their responsibilities. They were supposed to render perfect obedience to God, but they couldn't and didn't. But he did for them. They were supposed to suffer in their own bodies in hell for their sins. But he, bearing their sins in his own body on the tree, suffered their hell for them. And he rendered a satisfaction to God for those sins as if they were his, though they were not his. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a blessed thing that is. My father used to love to sing solos. Certain hymns that come to mind. When we're singing them sometimes in church, I feel a lump coming to my throat. And the tear coming to my eye because I can hear my father singing those songs. I am redeemed, O praise the Lord. My soul from bondage free has found at last a resting place in him who died for me. In loving kindness Jesus came, my soul in mercy to reclaim. And from the depths of sin and shame in love he lifted me. But there's another one that he loved to sing. He took my place. And died for me, O blessed Lamb of Calvary. He took my place and died for me. And if you're a believer tonight, this is something that you can rejoice in. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came to live our life and to die for us. But there's a third thing here. There is a recognition that is professed in the text. There's a recognition. What is it? Of whom I am chief. Here's Paul's honest testimony. Paul recognized that he was a sinner. And there's nobody who's ever been saved who has not done the same thing. There's no one who has ever been saved without first recognizing that he was a sinner. 
But not only did Paul recognize he was a sinner, he recognized that he was the chief of sinners. That he was a terrible sinner. That he was the worst sinner on earth as far as he was concerned. But he realized that Jesus died for him. The vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let the earth hear his voice. Even the worst sinner on earth could be saved. This is the recognition that is professed here in our text. So there's hope in this text, isn't there? There's hope here. If Christ could save Paul, then he could save the worst of men. There are two types of sinners that there's a real problem with. There are the up and outs, and there are the down and outs. The up and outs, they're the ones who think they're too good to be saved. They don't need to be saved. They're good. I mean, they're not like that awful person down the road. This guy, he's a murderer. This person is a pedophile. This other person is a drunkard. I'm not like that. I don't need to be saved. Oh, how many there are like that. They're too good in their own eyes to be saved. But Jesus said that He came not to come, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The up and outers. And then there's the down and outers. They're the ones at the other end of the spectrum. They think they're too bad to be saved. How many times I've had it said to me, Oh, but pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what the kind of person I am. You don't know all the stuff that, that, that's going on in my life. And I'll always say, I know, I know that. I don't know any of it. The Lord knows. But you know what? In spite of the fact that the Lord knows all that, He's still willing to save you. Because sinners, Jesus came to save. Not the good people. Not those who think they're too good. There's none too wicked. There's none too far gone for Jesus to redeem. I have a very good friend back in Ulster. He's in his latter years now. In fact, he's now in a nursing home. But before he was converted, he was a down and out drunkard. When I say down and out, I really mean he was down and out. The night he was converted, he was laying on the street in an old filthy overcoat with his own vomit in that coat. He was full drunk, stocious as we would say. And some kind Christian people managed to bring him into a place that was called the Sands Soldiers Home in Belfast where there was gospel ministry took place rescue mission and they set him down there gave him a bowl of soup and whatever they got him sobered up and he sat there and heard the gospel preached and as the gospel was preached that night he came under conviction of sin he repented of his sin came to Christ the Lord cleaned up his life gave him a good and godly wife And he began to serve the Lord, reaching other people 
who were living, as it were, on Skid Row. That's what his ministry was. And I've heard a number of times his testimony, one in particular that was recorded many years ago. And he took us the text in the book of Psalms, I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong tower. And truly he was and is a wonder to many, because the Lord lifted him from the very depths. This is what God is able to do. There's none that are too far gone for Jesus to lift. So there's hope in this text. As well as that, there's humility in this text, isn't there? There's humility in this testimony. You'll notice that Paul doesn't say, of whom I was chief, but of whom I am chief. That's interesting, isn't it? Paul is a preacher. He's an apostle. He's a servant of God. And yet he still views himself as the chief of sinners. What humility! Yes, he says, I'm still a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. As the hymn puts it, only a sinner saved by grace. Only a sinner saved by grace. This is my story. To God be the glory. I'm only a sinner saved by grace. Do you know that a believer who walks with God will have a keener sense of his sin the more time passes? You're not going to feel yourself to be more holy. You're going to feel yourself to be more sinful and further from what God wants you to be because you're closer to Him. When I look at my clothing in the light of day, in the daylight, oh, what a difference that makes. That stain and that bunch of fluff that was all over my suit that I didn't see inside the house, I see it clearly in the light of day. The closer we get to the Lord, the more we realize, like Job, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. I'm the worst of the worst. But here's the thing. Christ died for me. Christ died for me. That's my hope. But there's another thing here. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's prefaced by these words. This is a faithful saying. It's trustworthy. And worthy of all acceptation. In other words, it's worthy of being accepted. It's worthy of being received. This is a trustworthy statement. You can take it to the bank. It's worthy of being accepted. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O brother, believe it. Cling to the cross. The burden will fall. Christ hath redeemed us once for all. This is a faithful saying. And so there's a reception that is purposed here. This saying is worthy of being trusted and accepted. And many sinners have been and yet will be saved by trusting in the Christ of the gospel. That's how men and women are saved. By placing all of their hope and all of their trust in the person and work of Jesus Christ. What a tremendous statement this is. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He came into the world to save you. And therefore this is something that can be received. This is something that can be accepted. 
Some people seem to have a problem with the terminology about accepting Christ. I have no problem whatsoever with that terminology. If there are those who can reject Christ, there are those who accept Christ. That's what lies behind that. Who are those that accept Christ? There are those whom God, by His Spirit, draws to Christ. And they are accepted of Him. And there are many sinners who have been and yet will be saved by trusting in the Christ of the Gospel. By placing all their trust in the person and work of the Saviour. So I would say to any sinful person, doesn't matter who you are, you may be an up and outer, you may be a down and outer, it doesn't matter, somebody in between. Take it. Receive it. Accept it. Now. One of our hymns says, only trust Him. Only trust Him. Only trust Him now. He will save you. Hallelujah. He will save you now. I can tell any sinner that message without any fear of contradiction. When someone gives me a gift, whether it be at Christmas or my birthday or whatever time it is, it becomes mine when I take it. It becomes mine when I receive it. It's for me. It's given to me. And I take it. It becomes mine. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And there's a thought here that I'd want to emphasize before we finish under this point. You will note the victory of Christ's work that is spoken of here. Look at it carefully. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. It's not that Christ Jesus came into the world to try to save sinners. It doesn't say he came to attempt to save sinners or to make a good stab at it. But to actually accomplish it. He came into the world to save sinners. We read it earlier, didn't we? Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Why? For he shall save his people from their sins. This is something that he will do. There's the victory of Calvary. There's definite atonement. He came to save sinners. And thank God, sinners from every nation and tongue and people will be saved. I'm going to meet people in heaven from every continent of the world. Places I've never been to. Places I've never heard of. When I go to heaven, I'll meet people from there. Saved from their sins. Saved from hell. Saved to be with Christ for all of God's eternity. Has He saved you? Do you know Him as your Lord and Savior? Because if you haven't been saved, you can be saved. You can come to know Him by trusting Him, even tonight. And those of us that are saved already... Surely we can rejoice once more in these great words. This is a faithful saying. And worthy of all acceptation. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Of whom I am chief.